Welcome back to Elevator Inspiration. You know, this is great. We're in Lesson 7. We're still in our call series, and it is, this is a great lesson. I'm excited about this lesson. Now, the lesson text, this particular lesson here is actually is found in all three Gospels. It's found in Matthew and Luke. And this is why we call those three Gospels, Mark, Matthew, and Luke, as synoptic Gospels, because they tend to say some of the same thing, but they look at it from a different viewpoint. Now, Mark is more a condensed style of writing, and he jumps right into it. So prior to today's text, a leper begged Jesus for healing. Jesus healed him, but asked him not to tell anyone. But that did not happen. I mean, he spread it the news. The news of Jesus, the miracle worker, has spread throughout Capernaum. This was exciting time. So as a result, Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, and people came to him from everywhere. Alright, so you got the setting. Let's move into the lesson. We have a piped house. Mark 2, 1 through 2. As he entered into Capernaum, after some days, it was heard that he was in the house. Now, I underline in the house because this is reference that he is preaching and teaching. And if you look at the chapter before this, you see that he's actually in Simon, Simon Peter's house. A lot of scholars believe that this is a house that, that he's located. So we have a capacitor crowd. It says immediately, so you can see that when they hear about Jesus, they come rushing in. There was no room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. So we not only have a healer, but we have a preacher. Someone that is unfolding the word to them. And their ears and they are listening and they are gathering all this information. And not only do we have people who want to hear, but we have people who are more and we're going to see in a few minutes, uh, just spectators trying to figure out what's really going on and what errors can Jesus make. All right, so we have a paralyzed individual. This is an extraordinary interest. And then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, remember now he's in a house, he's preaching. What do these four individuals do? They go up on the roof and they uncover the roof. They took the roof apart and they let the man down that was a paralytic. And when Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the four men, I underline their faith, the four men. And he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Wow. Now think about that for a few minutes. They lower the man down, four individuals. Jesus looks, he sees the faith of those four individuals, and he says, your sins are forgiven you. So, my first question that we're going to discuss on Sunday is, why is the four friends' creativity in the face of an obstacle likely close the door encourage us today? So, when we see these four friends and how creative they were, how can it encourage us today? And then we're going to dig a little bit deeper. Now, 
we have these cynical bystanders. Verses 6 through 9. And some of the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now that is true. That no one can forgive sin but God. But notice they are silent and they are saying within themselves, questioning, why did he say that? And then immediately it says, Jesus reasoned within himself and he understood. So he, I can imagine what he does. Instead of him looking at the man, his eyes, I believe, focus on the Sadducees. And he looked at him and said, why do you reason about these things in your heart? In your hearts. Which is easier to say to the paralytic. Your sins are forgiven you are to say arise and take up your bed and walk. What we have here is a, a theology term is an hyperstatic union. What that is meaning is that Jesus is demonstrating that he is fully man, fully God. He's human, but he's also God. He's not part God, part man. He is fully man, fully God. Notice, he was able to discern what they were saying, even though they were thinking it, he brought it to life. So, the question is, which is easier for Jesus? To say, you are forgiven, or to say, take up your bed and walk, you're healed. So we see an amazing miracle take place. We see that Jesus have absolute authority by saying, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. So we see here that Jesus is making reference to his ability, which only God can feel can forgive sin. And he's stating that that I have that power, that God power to forgive sin. Then he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he arose. He did exactly what Jesus said. Took up his bed. And he went out the presence of them all. Now, can you imagine that scene there? All of a sudden, you he's preaching. The roof comes off. They lower his body down. And Jesus looks and say to him, your sins be forgiven. And then you have the Sadducees in the midst saying, how can he, only God can do that. And he said, I have the power to do that. I can say your sins be forgiven. Or I can say, take up your bed and walk. Reflecting on the Old Testament teaching that a lot of times sickness is because of sin. The individual is a paralytic, meaning that there was a disconnect from his brain to his body. His muscles was fully functioning, but the nerve damage. He could have had an accident. It could have been, uh, it could have been whatever reason. It could have been ate something or disease. Whatever the reason was, he was 
paralyzed and he had no use of his physical uh, limbs. And when this take place, here's a man that was not able to walk, not able to function. It says that they were so amazed that they glorified God saying, we have never saw anything like this. And notice now, they glorified God. Things like this comes for a reason. Miracles come for a reason not to celebrate man, but to celebrate God. And I like this because Jesus, the glorification, is going to his Father. And he states that throughout his ministry, for the Father sent me. He told his disciples, and when they asked the question, show us the Father, he said, I've been with you, Philip, this long. When you see me, you have seen the Father. So the question we're going to explore is, what can your church do to help people have a sense of awe and worship? Wow. We're going to even dig a little bit deeper by saying worship will be only as meaningful as we have prepared ourselves to make it. So how can we react to that statement? So my application from this lesson is really three things. First, I look at this lesson as physical healing is part of reconciliation to God. I don't know about you, but sometimes I catch cramps. <laughs> I've had cramps so bad that I wanted to cut that my leg off because it was aching so bad. But every time I have a cramp, I start praying to God. So I see that physical healing is part of my reconciliation with God. The second part is God alone forgives sin and God alone is a source of healing. And the last thing is we need each other. I need my brothers and my sister despite my circumstances. So think about the four individuals Jesus said, because of your faith, this man is healed. He did not do anything. We got to realize that we can do the same for our brothers and sisters. So the thought to remember is Jesus still has absolute authority and power to both forgive and to heal. And both of those, I think, is similar both to forgive and heal. Hey, I thank you all for joining me. Uh, our Zoom uh, meeting is Sunday at 6 p.m. There's the meeting ID number and the passcode. And like I always say, I see you in Sunday school.